Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Senior Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Jim Mercurio, the General Manager of Levi Stadium, home of the San Francisco 49ers. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Esports Travel Summit, the world's largest gathering of esports tournament and video game event organizers, and the only event focused on the travel side of the esports industry. The Esports Travel Summit will be held at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from December 14th through the 16th, 2021. For more details on everything we have planned at the conference this year, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. The San Francisco 49ers were one of the few NFL teams that did not have fans at a single home game last season because of the pandemic, finishing the season with its last two scheduled home games being played in Arizona. This year, the 49ers have been able to play to capacity crowds at Levi's Stadium while also opening a new club space and unveiling an innovative food and beverage program for its season ticket holders. Jim Mercurio has seen and just about done it all for the 49ers in his nearly three decades with the organization, dating to the days of Candlestick Park, and now the past several years at Levi Stadium, which has hosted not only the 49ers, but a Super Bowl, CFP National Championship game, and WWE WrestleMania, among other major events. We talk with Jim about health and safety at Levi Stadium this year, making sure event workers are up to speed on the latest protocols, preparing the stadium for an enhanced and updated fan experience, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Jim Mercurio of Levi Stadium, thank you for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. You bet. It's good to be here. Through this point in the season with having fans back at San Francisco 49ers games, how would you say protocols have gone both with the fan experience but also in monitoring fan behavior at the venue? Well, I got to tell you, I'm actually quite pleased uh, with it. I mean, we all planned for and thought there'd be a little level or some level of anxiety, not only for our fans, but, you know, our employees, right? Our game day employees and stuff. But I think, um, you know, for not hosting a, a game at Levi Stadium for over or close to 18 months to bring in the crowds that we have for the past four games and the behavior of, of most of those fans, you're always going to have a few that just kind of lose sight of, of priorities in some cases. But um, um, I was really, really, really pleased with the, con- the fan code of conduct uh, policies that were in place and the behavior of fans, and most importantly, to the efforts put forth by our game day uh, operations teams and our food and beverage providers, our security teams, our parking, all of our game day employees, we call playmakers. So I was real, pl- real, really pleased and really proud of, of the efforts that they put forth to, to welcome fans back to Levi Stadium. One of the things that's new this year, but it's been in the works uh, from what I've read in the wild uh, for a while, is the concessions included season ticket program for the 49ers. Describe to me what that is and how it's worked so far for you. So prior to the pandemic in 2019, we uh, started to want to take on this effort of all-inclusive food and beverage for our season ticket holder members. We call the MIM program, member-inclusive uh, program. And so what we wanted to, to figure out is how we can provide a greater value uh, to our season ticket holders and in such a way uh, create a, a different food and beverage experience that uh, our customers would would like and enjoy. And when when we put the events on hold, so to speak, or at least uh, with fans in them, we weren't able to enroll that uh, or unveil that until this season. So it did give us a little extra time to kind of play with some of the operational components of it. Um, look, we got some, we got some things still to work on, but I, we're really pleased uh, to date 
with how it's worked. Um, you know, sometimes it just takes a little used to to get uh, customers to understand the changes that you've made. Uh, we've gone from, uh, you know, to a cashless uh, kind of trying to be frictionless, grab and go concepts, uh, self-ordering, so to speak, uh, with some line busters in between. Uh, to try to provide, uh, you know, this inclusive experience. So you go up to your concession stand, you just type in at the kiosk what it is you want, uh, and you get it. It's included in the price of your ticket, excludes alcohol, of course. Uh, you get a certain number of uh, items per trip. You know, you can't go up there and get 60 items, of course, right? So we got to make sure that we can keep up with production. Uh, but we've provided a great uh, number of items that our customers told us that they wanted. And so we're really trying to listen to them and provide the level of experience uh, for them. And so far, it's gone pretty well. Listen, we, we, like I said, we still have some improvements we want to make. Uh, but for unveiling such a groundbreaking, changing uh, food and beverage delivery system, uh, I think it's, we've, we're, we're, to date, we're pretty happy about it. You know, we talk about the fan experience. And last season, you had no fans. The 49ers were one of the few NFL teams that did not have fans at a game all last season. In fact, I believe you had to move the last couple home games to Arizona and Phoenix and the home of the Arizona Cardinals. Take me through last year and what that experience was like and how you make a stadium operational for an NFL game, several of them, all of them nationally broadcast. The game is the, the venue is outside the action on the field, all but silent. Yeah, uh, I, I I wouldn't call it an experience at all, right? I, I you know I joke a bit, but it it was pretty it it was actually pretty depressing in some cases. I mean, you could hear the but I mean when you you could hear the buzzing of a refrigerator uh, was sitting in a in a press box suite um, with the window open uh, and just. You know, no, it just was no excitement. There was no level of uh, enjoyment at all for me to be candid with you. Um, we still have a lot of things that you have to do to put on the game. It, it, you know, all the broad that supports the broadcast. We still have food and beverage operations. You've got security components that you still have to do. You've got AV and broadcast components you got to contend with. But even for our those folks that were in the building having to work those events without fans, um, I would tell you, it was just not an experience that we we really enjoyed. And welcoming seventy thousand people back in the building uh, was a welcome was a welcome sight. Even having to deal with some of the uh, the bad apples uh, was okay, uh, considering you know not having anything, uh, no no level of of experience to provide. Listen, when you're in this business, you you tend to get caught up in, uh, you know, creating moments for people and creating exciting experience and memorable moments for our fans and even our, our, our employees. And so uh, a lot of times that's not, that's missing when you didn't have that fan component. So we were happy to have them back. One of the recent announcements uh, from Levi Stadium is that you are partnering with Clorox as the official disinfecting partner of the 49ers. Could you ever have imagined having to need that type of partnership? Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, I, I can't imagine, you know, listen, you've always had different types of partners. You know, if you asked me that three years ago, I would say, uh, I'm not sure that really kind of fits. And it's not that cleaning or disinfecting wasn't part of our requirements, because it was, but you just never thought that it would be taking on as uh, prominent a role as it does today. But we are absolutely pleased to have them. Uh, that's one of your go-to companies, you know, even in your personal life. 
when you're looking to you know keep things clean in your home and uh, in, in now stadiums. And so I, it, we're absolutely pleased to have them on board and it just fit perfectly for us. Obviously, the city of San Francisco and Santa Clara County, all of Northern California, throughout the last 18 months, there have been several stages of which protocols, can, what you can do indoors, what you can do outdoors at a venue such as Levi's, you know, where, whether you're wearing masks, whether you're not wearing masks. How important has it been to be prepared to really pivot almost on a, at a at a moment's notice, depending on what health orders may be announced by any local or state governments during the last season, but even ahead of during this season. Well, you you, hit, you, you, you said the word of 2020, or at least my official <laughs> word, 2020, which was pivot. You had to. You had to be. Um, you had to be flexible. You had to be uh, patient. Um, because the rules were changing constantly. And even some of the recommendations today that just were announced here in the Bay Area in San Francisco leading the charge, because we're so well vaccinated uh, in comparison to the rest of the country, you're able to be at the forefront of considering different changes associated with this you know, pandemic, right? And what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, what can be more conservative or, you know, you're always, you never want to compromise the safety and security the integrity of your building and your, your fans and your customers. And so you want to be as smart as you can. You want to get as up-to-date information as you can. So as you're getting that information that's changing, um, you have to be prepared to pivot. You have to be prepared to, to make changes on the fly for if and when, uh, you know, the science tells you to do something different or the recommendations of the professionals tell you you should consider this or, you know, uh, whatever the situation would be. So I, I would tell you more than any other crisis that I think I've had to deal with in, in my 28 plus full-time years with the 49ers, this was one that was a little bit more challenging because of the change. And as often as we had to, we kind of, we'd set out a set of guidelines and then we'd have to retract those because there's been another set that just came down 30 you know, 30 hours later, in some cases, 30 minutes later. Um, so it, it was hard. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie with you. And I think it got a little frustrating for those, especially on my team that had to go out and convey that message to the 3,500 game day employees or so that we have uh, and what it is we need them to do, what we need them to focus on in, in the, all the different companies that have different policies and procedures that you have to respect too. So uh, quite a bit of challenge. Uh, can't wait till that's completely in the bag and over with if I'm going to be candid with you. But, you know, we're all professionals in this industry and we're going to do what we can to make sure that we keep our fans and families and customers and employees safe. I've talked with lots of people throughout the industry over the past several months, especially when it comes to venues. And there's multiple tracks in getting the stadium ready for capacity crowds again, because you not only have to educate fans on what they should expect and what new fan policies are, but you also have to re-educate an entire stadium staff on new protocols and retrain them, I'm sure, on lots of new protocols. And I would imagine, and I've talked with plenty of venues that talk that mentioned about the, the difficulties in bringing back their, their previous staff and how much they, time they need to spend on hiring new staff and training new staff. How much extra time have you had to spend on those things? Yeah, listen, that's that's a very poignant, very, very good question. And I will tell you that we spend a, a ton of time on it. The good thing is, though, what we learned was that you don't always have to bring them in now for training, right? And, and your workforce doesn't necessarily have to be on site 100% of the time. I was an old school guy. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it that thought working from home isn't the, isn't going to be a good idea, right? Trying to get people to, 
beat to the same drum while they're in your office and working on game day is one thing. How are you going to get them when you don't have any oversight at home? And so I had to shift my thinking a little bit. And, um, and our organization was at the forefront of a lot of that, being able to recognize that we can do things with technology. We can do things better with our people. We can use process people, technology, those three things, if they're in some set of, of uh, alignment, you can be successful. And in some cases, even more effective and efficient. And what I will tell you with our game day employees is just as we're doing a Zoom today or a Teams call or a webinar or whatever, you can do all that training remotely. You can do a lot more things that uh, you might not have been able to do, or at least you, you resisted, companies resisted in the past. So we were able to utilize uh, those techniques, those technologies, those new items uh, that were afforded to us uh, in such a way that gave us the, the the greatest flexibility and the greatest reach in the in the shortest period of time and be successful. I still contend there's nothing better than, you know, walking the facility for a game day or an operational or a security component or a guest services person, as opposed to saying, yeah, the first aid section is located in section blah, blah, blah on the 300 level. Uh, it's better to have eyes on it for when you're in need of sending somebody to that uh, con- that concession stand or that first aid station or that restroom or wherever they're needing to go. Uh, it's good to understand how to get them there as well. I, see, I think the only other thing I would add to that is the ch- one of the things that I, I really learned in, in a, more so with this latest um, pandemic, but also the generational bit is when you're training, you have to kind of tell people why you're asking them to do the things you're doing, not just tell them, just do this, this, and this. If you tell them and explain to them why you're asking them to do that and what the benefits it is for them or for their their other employees or coworkers or for our fans and customers, uh, I found that you tend to get a little bit more uh, buy-in and feedback and they'll, they'll invest a little bit more back in that reasoning, right? If you're part of the solution as to why we're trying to do what we do, uh, I think people will react a little bit better. So, that's given us the opportunity. This pandemic has given us the opportunity to, to exceed in that area. One of the things I know that every venue has been doing is when it comes to the fan experience, trying to make it as seamless and as touchless as possible. And you've got touchless, you've got your mobile ticketing. You've mentioned some of the things that you have for your season ticket concessions program. Merchandise stores, more and more of them are going to the uh, contactless payments. How do stadiums such as Levi's make sure they're ready for the technological load that you have to be prepared with, especially when it comes to Wi-Fi? Because these are if everything's being done on their phone, you really cannot afford to have your Wi-Fi uh, have an issue. Yeah, there's another good question. I mean, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, anytime that you can use all aspects of technology, uh, you got to have the infrastructure for that, right? So almost every aspect of our game day uh, involves some sort of technology, right? When you, we Back in the day at Candlestick, uh, when we were running events back there, cash was king, right? You, I mean, you'd pay your parking with cash, you'd buy your food and beverage with cash, you'd buy your tickets with cash and checks and things of that nature. Now it's all, it's all now remote, credit card, so you got to have scanners at the gates. And so you got to have a good enough signal, whether it's Wi-Fi or your DAS system that is, it's your capitalizing out into the area. There has to be that balance. So IT uh, is such a huge, uh, plays a huge role in our game day operation and the the operation of Levi Stadium. So having the infrastructure on point is important. When you went to the mobile ticketing uh, and the counterfeiting, uh, anti-counterfeit measures with barcodes and constantly changing so that somebody can't take a screenshot of their phone and 
try to use that as a ticket, for example. Uh, that constantly drags on your Wi-Fi system or your DAS or whatever you're using, cell or Wi-Fi or a combination of the two. And so you got to be mindful that you've got enough uh, bandwidth there, right? So future-proofing the Levi Stadium was such an important role for us in 2014, and we've continued to do that up to you know to today, uh, even to where we've we've installed new ticket turnstiles, so we have that frictionless self-service kind of kiosk without having to, to have too much interaction. Because this is what our fans and customers have told us they, that they want, right? So as you move into the building, just like you talked about, the food and beverage concessions portion, people are live streaming everything nowadays, taking video, <laughs> wanting, you know, they're pinging each other. I mean, so it's just constant. People are on their phone. You got to remember that phone is not just a phone. It's a, it's a computer. And so it's pulling down all the things that it needs to function. So uh, I, w- I don't see that changing anytime soon. So anybody that's looking to build a new venue or building or, stadium or uh, concert hall, whatever it is, they're constantly looking at making sure they have enough uh, bandwidth for that for that role. Any stadium, whether new or existing, a lot of things that they do now, especially for old, very old stadiums, not, you know, even older than Levi's, the, the Levi's from since the time that it's opened, new venues, club spaces is a huge part of it. You recently opened the Cashier Creek Club. Yeah, the Cash Creek. Yeah. Cash Cash Creek Club. Yeah. And given what you know now about health and safety protocols, how much, whether it's that new space that you're building in the midst uh, uh, and making sure that you're able to have it open once the once fans were allowed back, and how much then going through all the other enclosed spaces throughout Levi's, did you really have to take a look at each separate space or each set of spaces and say, here's how we have to improve the health and safety protocols, ventilation, HVAC, all of those things that now are at the top of the list of priorities for concerns for people? Well, I tell you, this is one of the things that I think we hit a home run on uh, in 2012 when we were designing in 13 and starting to build uh, Levi Stadium, it was one of those things where air handling units and air conditioning, air conditioned spaces, we designed them as such to be as future-proofed as possible. And so when it came to being able to regulate airflow inside the facilities, uh, we were ahead of the game. So we really didn't have to make any types of changes with our air handling units uh, in and around those club spaces at Levi Stadium. One thing I'll tell you um, that you start to look at was when we first designed into the uh, into the building protocols for cleaning and disinfecting, it was designed in such a way where a lot of that stuff was to be kind of back of the house. You didn't want to see service personnel out in a, or customers, or at least we thought customers didn't want to see staff, janitorial, uh, housekeeping staff. You know, you were always to get in and get out clean. That was kind of the mindset of operators. Uh, nowadays, it's quite the opposite. People want to see somebody wiping down handrails and doorknobs and walking around with a shirt that says disinfecting teams. It's all part of the the comfort uh, of a, a customer wanting to know what it is you're doing. And so you're finding a lot more venues telling people, whether in your face or inadvertently, with a uniform or, or not being afraid to have customers see employees working like that to ensure, I mean, garbage, you know, move, you know, pulling out garbage because it's overflowing. That was one thing, but you never saw people really wiping down in bright orange and yellow shirts, standing out telling, Hey, this place is clean because I'm here. And I think that's what you're starting to see now. But in terms of design, um, you know, we didn't have to worry about that with the new club, the cash Creek club, we just 
tapped into the existing systems that we had there. So it was kind of an, an easy transition for us. Any team, any sport, any new venue has to try and balance being able to make sure they have those fan activation spaces, club suites, all of those, you know, high dollar, high revenue areas. But you also want to make sure that you've got the bleacher seats, the fans who have been there for decades, who want to continue going there for, for decades to come. How can venues, from your experience at Levi's, find the right mix going forward between making sure the quote-unquote Joe fan gets everything that they want in a, in a game experience? Well, you also make sure that a venue has those types of club spaces, those fan activations that can then bring in higher levels of revenue. Well, we're, we're, we're big fans of listening or trying to listen to our customers, right? If you ask the question, the people will tend to tell you what they like and what they don't like, right? Um, so that's certainly one of it with our data and, and business business analytic teams, uh, a team that we have here. We're, we're pretty robust in reaching out. We do surveys after every game and kind of, you know, tell us how we're doing. Uh, and it's really uh, in two, in a couple different reasons. The one you can get a sense as an operator that you had a good day today. Uh, it's one thing to be having a gut feeling. It's another to get it verified or, uh, you know, from a survey resort that uh, results that, that kind of you know tell you that hey listen I, I I like this experience I don't like this experience I like this product I wish I had this kind of product and then I think what you'll also see designers and architects uh, will start to look at what worked and what didn't work in the pandemic phase and what other customers would like in some cases I think you'll see a reduction of larger areas like big you know twenty person suites to you know six and eight. Uh, loge box. Uh, you see them in colleges a little bit more so than you do in pro, but I could see more space with less people. So they have, they have a little bit more space in between each other. Uh, I could see that as an, as a product that kind of takes, uh, takes hold in the upcoming years. But other than that, I think it's just really listening to your customers. You mentioned the old Candlestick Park where the 49ers used to play before moving to Levi Stadium. You worked there for several years before at with the 49ers at Candlestick before the transition to Levi's. What's your memory of Candlestick Park as a football venue? Oh, man, I, I, I have to tell you, uh, is rough. And, and <laughs> we used to laugh and joke that we, we, we kept it together with bubble gum and bailing wire. <laughs> and some of the things that we had to do the night before the game because you host down, you know, Friday, Saturday before the game, the, the, so many leaks that were there in the suites and the indoor spots that you'd have to change the ceiling tiles out every game and bags over seats so they didn't ruin seats. I mean, those are all things that were kind of negative. But I, what I what I miss most about Candlestick was just the the character it had. It, there was not a bad seat in the house. It, it uh, even in section nineteen twenty one, lower twenty one, twenty three, which was really for baseball. Uh, it you saw half the field and part of the screen. If you got to be in those seats, it, it was still a, a joy. But from a football stadium, even though it was designed for baseball, the retrofits to it, it was such a, an electric place, and it had character. And the fans that 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 came there, and the employees that worked there, really did everything they could to make that thing come alive every Sunday. Uh, so I got great fond memories, despite some of the challenges of it being old and lived past its useful life. Candlestick was where I grew up, and uh, I loved it. I miss it. Uh, the, the new stadiums and the amenities are awesome, but uh, sometimes you know the old just gridiron of Candlestick Park and the and the 
just the the smells and the the feeling of it uh, it it, it uh, it's something that I'll never forget. Now you're in Levi Stadium, and less than and in the time since Levi's has opened, you've hosted a Super Bowl, you've hosted a CFP national title game, you've hosted the NHL Stadium Series, among many other events. Is there one of those events that stands out as a okay? I never thought I would be here, but I am. And is there one event you're hoping in the future that can be added to that quote unquote bucket list? Well, uh, listen, a couple that are on the docket, hopefully, uh, is FIFA. And who knows, maybe another Super Bowl bid down the road would be great. Uh, the NHL series was, uh, that was that was pretty trick. I mean, it was a great feat to put an ice rink inside, the, you know, and, and uh, the crowd was awesome. The crew to work with was fantastic. Love that. I love W. I, I got to tell you, I loved all of all of the large events that we've had. WWE event was pretty great uh, to see how that was. Uh, the crowd to me was, uh, you know, we, we were thinking, oh, they're going to be worrying about, you, you know, chairs being smacked over people's heads because they get a little too excited because of the, the action in the ring. But they were some of the most well-behaved uh, patrons I've ever had the, the pleasure to serve. Uh, but I think the college football playoff game had such a vibrant buzz uh from a venue's perspective that i think it was just it was unbelievable every play just seemed to be maybe it was the teams maybe it was just the the air that night some of the challenges we had the night before with the, with a little bit of a storm so we had some mini crises you had to deal with so to be able to overcome all those types of things and then put on such a successful event was kind of a nice feather in the cap but uh, you know, on the horizon, I, I gotta, I gotta hope it's you know FIFA and World Cup or it's uh, another Super Bowl. You know, just when you're in this business, just to be able to like again provide those level of, of experiences and memories for seventy thousand plus, uh, it's kind of cool. Jim, I enjoyed the conversation and thanks for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. Uh, you bet. Thanks for the time and uh, go Niners, huh? This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.